but if not, we're going to be talking about the Battle Royal. Uh, where Kyle O'Reilly and Red Dragon less eliminated Matt Jackson are in a spot in the AEW Tag Team Championship match at Revolution. So this was one of two spots that were available for the Tag Team Championship. Uh, so this match, uh, classic Battle Royal. Uh, it was sort of an old school battle royal, no entrances, just everybody in the ring at the same time. What I did enjoy about this match was that both tag team members had to be eliminated uh, to win the match. Uh, so there was some good storytelling there. And what made this so much fun to watch was the fact that there was so much, uh, there's so much depth in the tag team division that it felt like three or four teams could have legitimately won. Um, and when Kyle O'Reilly and Red Dragon got the win, it wasn't surprising, but yeah, I kind of expected Santana Ortiz to get the win here. Yeah, it was funny because, like you said, I thought, dude, at one point I thought like John Silver was going to pull off the win, even though I don't remember who he partnered with because they were eliminated first, I think. But um, there was a lot of good talent in the ring in that match, and I was like, oh my god, even um, what's the guy? He's uh, he's like a clothing brand name. I can't remember what it is now. I feel like his tag team partner. Yeah, no, not John Silver's. Um. I can't remember the team name. Oh, the best friends. They were oh, yeah. great. Um, you know, I thought everybody was good. And I was like, oh, they could put anybody in this match because there's another one next week. Um, but yeah, I thought it was a great match. I hated the way that um what's his face eliminated uh the guy from uh who got who kicked the other guy out from outside the ring. Oh, when Bobby Fish eliminated um one of the guys from FDR, I hated that. But it was a great match. I thought there was so much talent in the ring in that match that I didn't know existed. But I was hoping for Santana and Ortiz also. So the participants in this match, we like you mentioned before, best friends, Butcher and Blade, John Silver and Alex Reynolds representing Dark Order. We had the Ass Boys or the Gun Club, FTR, Santana and Ortiz, Red Dragon 2.0, Private Party, and the Young Bucks. So so many great tag teams in this match. Uh, some good good wrestling in the match, but like a, a battle royal is always a mess, uh, and things sort of get out of control. Uh, I guess we'll go to the end here, where the final four was Matt Jackson, Kyle O'Reilly, Dax, and Silver. Kyle O'Reilly and Dax fought on the apron until Bobby Fish returned and eliminated Dax without being in the match. John Silver was a house of fire until he ran into a super kick from Matt and then a double team from him and O'Reilly. Uh, Matt Jackson eliminated Silver and then O'Reilly eliminated Matt for the win. The Young Bucks and Red Dragon were at each other's throats. Definitely some chaos there. There is some brewing undertones there. I certainly thought we might have just seen Red Dragon versus the Young Bucks at Revolution. Yeah, and then maybe the tag team championships would be two other teams. Yep. Uh, but they went the route that it was going to be uh, the, the Red Dragon in the match, and maybe the Bucks will get in uh, next week on Dynamite, but we will see. So following the match, Hangman Page came out uh, to attack Red Dragon, uh, and the Bucks didn't really try to save him. Uh, Adam Cole came out and then attacked Page from behind, but Page got the advantage and pulled Cole out of the way out of the Buckshot Larry, but then Silver attacked them, allowing Page to hit the Buckshot on O'Reilly. So a lot to unpack here. Uh, there's a whole bunch of chaos going on. The tag team championships and the world title picture all mixed together. Uh, AEW is definitely taking an approach of making sure the stories are intertwined. There's definitely going to be more uh, to the Elite and the Red Dragon and the Paragon, the Undisputed Era, what do you want to recall them, is going to be tied together. Uh, and they went hot and heavy on building up Revolution like right away. It's like the, a switch had one off in their brain and said, holy crap, we need to build for the pay-per-view and everything on this card everything had meaning yeah which is amazing um it's just funny how i feel like every week this show gets better and better and i can't i like don't expect it to be a regular public tv show and it's just amazing so 
So before we move on, Paige grabbed the mic and said, story time, so a quick promo. He said there was once a young man named Adam who won world championships everywhere he went, but he's drawn closer to a six-feet hole in the ground. So I I don't know. I mean, I was on the Turnbuckle Tavern debate. I'm not sure if you watched that yet, and we were talking about the next three world champions. A lot of people believe that Adam Page is going to beat Hangman. I am not one of those people. Do you feel like Hangman is going to lose his title to Adam Cole at Revolution? The only reason I don't is because I do see the Bucks winning next week to also get into the whole feud for the belt. And I think this will lead to Adam Cole having to pick between the Young Bucks and the Red Dragon because I think that he's going to have – I think they'll feud them all together, four of them, rather than in this six, uh, six-person six tag team match. So I initially was like, oh, maybe it's Adam Cole's time, but it makes me think it's not, and I'm okay with that. I love Cole. I love Hangman, but – um. I'm okay with Hangman being champion, dude. I love it. It's so good. Yeah, I mean, at this point, he just passed 100 days as champion, and with AEW, that's not a long run so far. The yeah. other four world champions have been, or three world champions have been holding it for close to six, eight, 12 months. It's been a long ride for the champion, so we haven't seen that transitional champion yet. And if Hangman loses, I don't think I consider him a transitional champ. Uh, but... I don't know. I don't think they've built up Cole enough to be the champion yet. I don't see him at that level, but uh, maybe they'll pull the trigger. I know that that Tony Khan has felt a little bit um, insecure about what people were saying about how they were um, booking Adam Cole. Yeah. So potentially that could be him like being like, you know what? He is our guy. So put the title yeah. on him. Um, I think it's funny because like with what you just kind of said, how they haven't really like pushed the matter, but we were talking last week about Adam Cole's Instagram and I sent you the thing, and he said, like, congratulations to the world champion. And then we each picked up on something, and you were like, Cole is the one holding the belt, ready to give it to Hangman. But it's weird that he's holding it. And I was like, that's really cool. So for me, it's like, oh, is Adam Cole, like, promoting himself, you know? But it works both ways, which I think is great. You know, I don't know. I like it a lot. Yeah, I mean, this is the type of Adam Cole that we've been waiting to see. This is the Ring of Honor. This is the New Japan version of Adam Cole who has an edge to him. And I think eventually we're going to going to see... Kenny Omega and Adam Cole collide. Those are the two personalities I want to see. Yep. But with all the news we got, uh, Kenny Omega did an interview on Wrestling Observer with Dave Meltzer about a week ago uh, that his return is a little bit behind. Originally, he was intending to return this month for uh, Revolution. So that doesn't seem like it's in the cards. It seems like we're going to have to wait until April, May, maybe even June to get Kenny Omega back. So maybe they hold off Adam Cole being champion until then. Um, but, you know, the story is still there for him to be feuding with Kenny Omega. So a lot of things to unpack there. Um, I'm not sure where they're going. I think, personally, MJF should be the one taking the title off of uh, Hangman. But we shall see. Uh, let's move on to the next segment we had, Brian. Nice. Finally came. Awesome. Where'd your Ronda Rousey shirt come? Did you order that one? It did. I wore it and I had to wash it already. Uh, <laughs> I okay. got it. I was going to wear it for our Elimination Chamber one, and I obviously didn't happen so all right well you can definitely have other shows coming up for you to wear and support oh, yeah, ronda rousey be the only person that supports ronda rousey as of late but we can get into that another time yeah uh so brian daniston was backstage he was talking up daniel garcia and hyping him up and saying all great things and if you have followed the show i've been saying that daniel garcia is a young brian danielson so when this match was announced i was more than excited i will get to how i felt about the match later on when we get to the main event um, i will talk about what I felt and how it delivered and blah, 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 all that. Uh, but this was cool. Uh, 
Brian Danielson said he wished that Daniel Garcia had a mentor like William Regal, like he had, instead of he's hanging out with a bunch of geeks like 2.0. Uh, so a good, nice segment to build up to the main event. Uh, and that's all you can ask for in that, uh, in that regard. So let's move on to this big promo. And this is what I was talking about. Hopefully I'm unsure if the mic had cut out, if, if I was not talking about it, but uh, I felt like I was definitely talking about some good stuff with the MJF promo because this was a big deal. Did you see this, Nick? No, and I just saw something on Instagram I haven't seen, so I'm very excited for your reaction, and I'm not looking at my phone anymore. I did okay, not see so, this. Go ahead. So, so this was interesting because last week, if you remember, when MJF and was told that he's going to be in a dog collar match with Punk, he didn't even talk. He sat there on the, on the ramp, and he was speechless, and he went to the back. We got no reaction from MJF. Fast forward to this week, MJF's music hits. He's coming out to the ring, and... He looks all sad and humble. He just is coming out like a downtrodden man. He looks sad. Uh, he doesn't. He's not doing the strut around the ring like he usually would. He's just upset. He grabs the mic, and he's literally like fighting back against the CM Punk chants and talking about. He he's like, I need to be serious with you guys, and he's just talking to the fans. And he really got into this deep level of, I mean, insecurity for the like, where where the line of where Max Friedman. The guy and the character is got blurred here. So the fans wanted to boo him. I feel like they wanted to get, you know, in they come to the arena to want to boo him. Yeah. And they had a really hard time doing that. They were chanting for CM Punk. They wanted to boo MJF. Uh, but they didn't boo him. The next best thing was they didn't cheer him. They sat there silently and listened. Uh so he said that meeting punk as a child meant the world to him, that he loved pro wrestling. Um he said when he was a child, he had a learning disability, and the only thing he was good at was football. He had no friends, and he was harassed for being Jewish. So the crowd was, like, really weirded out by this. They were waiting for the other other side of the coin to turn for MJF and figure out where is he going with this. He never really went anywhere except for being honest with everybody. Uh, he said the only thing that cheered him up on a really bad day was meeting CM Punk on a Friday. Um he then continued, he passed up scholarship opportunities for football because he wanted to pursue wrestling. And in 2014, when Punk left wrestling, he decided, I'm going to give up my dream too because Punk left. And I don't know how much of that is actually true, but uh, the fact that they're tying in Punk leaving in 2014 from WWE uh, definitely resonated with me because I felt a certain type of way when Punk left because he was my guy. Uh, so definitely struck a chord with me. Um but then he tied in saying he decided to put his dreams on pause. And then he said when he saw the photo of Punk shaking hands with Brian Danielson on the Wrestling Classic Instagram site, shout out to them. That's a great place to follow uh, wrestling. They must have been elated to see MJF shout them out on AEW. Uh, so if, if MJF, you want to shout out Ace Field Retro. Do it. On, uh, <clears throat> on Dynamite, that'd be amazing. Um, he just said by seeing the picture, and I have posted the picture before because this was the picture that they used to hint at uh, punk even coming to AEW. It's the hand uh, a punk with the wrist tape shaking Brian Danielson's hand in Ring of Honor. And that's that famous picture of them both bloodied up, shaking hands. That's the picture that he said wanted to make him become a, a pro wrestler. And he was going to pursue his dreams despite punk. Um, and he said, MJF, I mean, at Revolution, MJF uh, may be choked out. He might bleed buckets, but he'll never quit like punk. Um, and he said, I'm Maxwell Jacob Friedman, and I'm better than you, and you know it. Punk comes out, no music, nothing, walks to the ring, kind of silently, and he mouths to, to MJF, was all of that true? And MJF just walked out of the ring, and that was it. 
So my prediction, not really prediction, but I have getting, I'm getting double switch vibes here where you walk in the match as a face and you, and you may walk out a heel. And I think yeah. this has a lot of WrestleMania 13, Bret Hart, Stone Cold, Steve Austin parallels. And certainly we might be having, uh, I don't know. I don't know if it's possible if Tony Khan and the booking crew can turn Punk heel because I love Punk as a heel. I don't know if it's possible with the character and how popular he is, but if anyone can do it, it's AEW with their dynamic storytelling. Yeah. So at Revolution, we may have a double switch and figure out a way to get Punk a heel and MJF as a face. What are your thoughts that, on that initially? That's why that whole thing is wild. Holy crap. Uh, <laughs> MJF was crying too. Like, well, I mean, I was saying this dude should be, I mean, he's going to be a huge actor, I think. He's a good looking guy. He has facial expressions on point. I can't tell if he's playing a character or not. I mean, he's just so dynamic. Yeah. So that was just really interesting to see. And he was crying, like a, a tears rolling down his face as he was walking up the ramp. So we'll see where it goes. But I get I get the sympathetic edge towards MJF that makes him sort of, I won't say likable because he still has a punchable face, but uh, they made him a face at one point. He was faced with Cody Rhodes. He I know he eventually, like he was playing, he played Cody Rhodes and eventually turned on him. But they've done the face thing with MJF. Maybe they're going to go back to it. Very, very strange. I have to go back and watch this. Yeah, the promo was strange because I totally expected to have MJF come out, tear down Chicago and Punk and say, I'm going to beat your ass at Revolution. It was Punk in like his gear? No, Punk came out in just street gear. And it, was, it, was a weird, it was a weird promo. I thought it was great. Yeah. Uh, but I, it left me a little bit more confused and I guess – they have to do something interesting. This feud has been going on for quite some time at this point. So they have to figure out a way to keep it interesting. And if they're going to, this might be the end of the feud for now, but I think MJF and punk have become like the Batman Joker where they're consistently going to be orbiting around each other. They'll be involved with other people. But I think at the end of the day, they're always going to be drawn and attracted to each other. They might just be, you know, the yin to their yang. They're going to be connected at all for all times with AEW. And I think that's cool. It's a very good storytelling dynamic, but I don't know if he can, if they can pull this off where MJF is a face at the end of this. Wow. Seriously. If it happens, shout me out guys, because I got, I completely got Bret Hart versus Stone Cold Steve Austin double switch vibes. That's all I'm saying. Very cool. I personally wouldn't want MJF to be a face though. I think he's too good of a heel. Yeah, that it's, it's wasted, but I would love to see Punk turn heel. I think some of Punk's best work has been done as a heel, so I would love to see it happen. I don't know if it's going to be during this feud. It might have to happen after the fact. I was going to say, do you think it's something that could lead to them working together ever or no? I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, you know, bitter, you know, bitter enemies, better friends, I guess. Like back yeah, to the, the, the angle they take. Wild. I'm, I'm I, so excited. <laughs> I don't know. We'll get to the revolution card because there's a lot that was announced tonight. It, it yeah. seemed like they were, like I mentioned before, they were like a switch turn and they're like, we need to announce the matches because the card's in two weeks. Uh, but the card is absolutely stacked and we'll get to what it looks like after. Uh, we're moving on to the next segment, which is Daniel Garcia and 2.0 backstage. Uh, all they said was that nobody cares about Danielson um, and nobody cares about him wanting to be my mentor. And Garcia said he's already ultra violent and he's going to take it to Danielson tonight, hyping up the main event. And I'm super excited to talk about the main event uh, and see what your thoughts are. Uh, but just Daniel Garcia being in this spotlight was awesome for me. So 
Uh, we'll get to that. Next is, listen, you know how I feel about Kings of the Black Throne, Malachi Black, and Brody King. This was freaking awesome. Did you see this match? This is what I just saw pop up on Instagram. I did not see the match yet. All right, so as predicted last week, we saw that Pentagon uh, video package with the graveyard. So people were saying that Penta Oscuro or Pentagon Dark would be coming back. That is his Lucha Underground character, a very dark character. Uh, that was a little bit different than Pentagon. It's around, I mean, he wears the same attire, just a little more dark and ominous, which I was happy to see. So it's really cool that I continue to say this every time anyone gets hit with this miss by Malachi Black, their character changes. So it's similar to what they were doing with The Fiend in WWE, but like this is actually intentional. I felt like what they were doing with The Fiend, you know, the heel and hurt hands that he would touch them with, it would turn them either face or turn them heel. Uh, but it wasn't consistent. This has been pretty consistent that no matter who gets touched by this mist, turns into an evil character or at least releases some evil side of them. We've seen it with Julia Hart. We now see it with Penta, Pac. Um, so who, who knows who's next? I mean, in this match, and I'll get to the spot, Malachi Black swallowed the mist himself. So he went to go miss somebody and then he swallowed it. So I'm not sure what that's going to do to the character of Malachi Black, maybe even more evil. Uh, but this match was awesome. Uh, I love all four of these guys. I was shocked by the ending, the fact that Pac and Penta got the win here. At the end, it's the right decision. If you want Penta to be the, I guess, mainstay, main event level character in this match, you have to just, you have to accept that maybe Kings of Blackthorn are going to have to lose. And it wasn't the first time Black lost. And it, and I'll get to how it ended, but I was a little bit shocked. But, you know, I'm not mad about it. I didn't get to see it. I'm shocked that they I, – I, I, I don't know what's going on, and I love it. What's All up, right, Cole? so to open the match, they brawled before the bell, and Penta dove on the Kings, and Pac immediately hit a 450 splash on Black for two. Thought the match was going to end right there. Uh, Brody tagged in Pac and took down a big close on uh, for two of his own uh, before the commercial. Uh, so we had the Kings of the Black Throne going for the Dante's Inferno, but Pac broke it up. Pac landed repeated pump kicks and a German on, on Brody King. And Black then made a blind tag, and he went for the mist, but Penta covered Black's mouth and rolled him for the quick win. So he went for the mist, he was covering his mouth, and then Malachi was forced to swallow the mist, was distracted, got rolled up, and lost. So in a bit of WWE-style booking, as Wrestling Observer puts it, the Brody King uh, the Brody King and Malachi Black immediately beat down the opponents right, right after losing to keep them strong. So they didn't even have a chance to celebrate the win at all. Uh, Malachi picked up the shovel that Pentagon took out to the ring. Lights went out. No one knew who was out there, and it was Buddy Matthews or Buddy Murphy, better known as that. The history that's tied into Malachi Black was awesome. Buddy Mur Buddy Matthews looked like a million freaking dollars, was was jack beyond belief. Yep. And it looked like he was going to be stopping House of Black from destroying Pentagon, but then joins House of Black, and he's the third member of House of Black, which is really cool. That's really um, sick, dude. So then he eventually was co uh, coerced by Brody and by uh, Malachi to curb stomp Buddy Matthews into the chair, which is a little bit of a shout out to his time spent with Seth Rollins, maybe. So there's a lot of history here with Buddy Matthews and House of Black and all that. So this is really cool. And this story is continuing to be one of my favorite parts of the show. Hands down, no championships involved. It's just so much fun to watch. That's I can't wait to go back and watch this part too. That dude, that's amazing. I just saw Instagram and all of a sudden I was like, "That's Buddy Murphy," and I was like, "Wait a second. 
You so. can really tell that Malachi is given free reign to do the things he wants to do. So we saw a glimpse of this type of character uh, on SmackDown for a minute in 2020, right before he was released. He was doing the Dark Father character, but we know it would have been a watered-down version of what he's doing here. And it's really cool. It reminds me of like a dark comic universe. Like if you want to compare it to the dark comics, um, we have a lot of things that are, you know, going on with them that it just seems like it's a deeper meaning. And like everything that goes on on the screen seems like it has some level of character development for everyone involved. And that's really cool. Yeah. That's really awesome. Everybody. So we got Cole. We got Cole in the chat here. So Cole. It looks like Cole watch tonight, man. We're yeah, doing we it. Some, so uh, Cole, we will get to the Jade and bunny match in a second. Uh, he is saying Buddy Murphy and more evils. Yes, for sure. That's awesome to see them. And we also have the comment that everyone's probably asking themselves, do you think Rey Mysterio is still mad about Buddy dating his daughter? Listen, it just shows how far they've come. That, you know, this is what we're talking about. We have him dating Rey Mysterio's daughter in, in WWE, but now he's doing the cool stuff at House of Black. So I personally would take Buddy Matthews uh, beating the crap out of people and being involved in a serious feud. Um, so... I loved it. I thought this was great. And I, I certainly will. I'm not going to give away a spoiler for my high points of the match of the night. Uh, but this, you have to know is up there. That's really sick. I wish I had seen this. So before we move on to the, uh, the Chris Jericho, Eddie Kingston segment, there was a video package of hype Britt Baker versus Thunder Rosa uh, for the AEW uh, world women's championship. Rosa said that this time her win would finally count. Um, this feud has been building for over a year. Uh, Believe it or not, the Thunder Rosa versus Britt Baker lights out match was St. Patrick's Day 2021. So it's been almost a year by the time that they get in the ring, March 6, 2022. Uh, there's been a lot of things done to help Britt Baker become the person she is now in the ring. Thunder Rosa had to build herself back up, but they've done a really good job of keeping them apart. This is the this is the women's match we've been waiting for. I'm not sure if it's built up the way that we thought it would have been. I think Thunder Rose is getting the title here, uh, but I I don't know. I just this felt like it was going to be the the be all end all for the women's division for AEW, and it just sort of to me it just feels like it's falling a little bit flat as far as build up goes. It's weird because my prediction is whatever happens with Cole is going to happen with Baker. I don't know why. That's just my vibe. So you think if Cole, if Britt wins the, uh, retains the title, Cole wins the title? Interesting. I don't know. Just a just a thing. Fair enough. I I just think that Thunder Rosa has been. It's weird because the, in that match, she was the one that got the win. She was just a just as much a, a part of that match as Britt Baker was, and Britt Baker is the one that they attached a rocket to and became popular and Thunder Rosa sort of stayed in the same spot on the card. She was in the TBS tournament and lost that match. She's been floating around the main event for a while. And rightfully so they've been trying to keep them apart. I think it's the right thing to do. Agreed. But they're finally colliding and it, it doesn't feel like, and maybe next week we'll change it when they do the contract signing. It just doesn't feel like the big deal I thought it would have. And, I'm not sure exactly why, because we've known this was happening for a long time. We've had over a year of build like we've been talking about, and I've been desperate to see them get back into the ring. Uh, but there's a lot of things that have to go right for this match to live up to the exact match that it that it was in March of last year. Uh, uh, there won't be a stipulation like the lights out match. So 
I don't know if it's going to have the same effect. Um, I don't know. There's a lot riding on this match, and I think for both Brit and Thunder and the women's division, this has to deliver, and I think there's some pressure on them. I do too. Um, I do have I, – I do I just have the faith in AEW. I think whatever they do, it's going to work out. You know, I think something big is going to happen. I don't know what, but I think that overall, like, you know, I don't think we have anything to truly worry about. I just think – I don't know. I think it's one of those things where it's like we, we, we've just got to play the waiting game and see, dude. Yes, and I, I I truly believe that Thunder will be winning the championship here. Cole says Britt losing the belt would be sad. Um, I agree. I, I Britt is the character. I don't want her to lose, but I think every good character needs to have some kryptonite, and I think Britt's kryptonite is Thunder Rosa. Um, she can dominate the whole roster as she's done all year, but for some reason she can't beat Thunder Rosa, and I think that's a good that's a good way to keep characters interesting and fresh. You know, yeah. the fact that she has to chase the title for a bit may be good for her. Having to go after the championship instead of holding it uh, may be good. But, I mean, kudos to Britt. I think this has been the best women's title run in AEW history, and that's, like, not saying a lot because there hasn't been that many champions. But uh, she set the bar in women's wrestling for AEW and WWE and New Japan. She is she is the bar right now. And I, I, I truly believe she's the best woman woman wrestler in the world. And I know people will say, you know, it's Charlotte or Becky. I don't know. I think what Britt is doing on the microphone, character work, and in ring work, she's the best woman uh, in wrestling right now. And that's not to say that will continue to be the case. But right now, I think Britt Baker's number one. Absolutely. I agree, too, because I think the looks, the personality, the everything about her mannerisms, the way she goes out and fights, I, I, I agree with you. I think she's number one, too. I, I just don't see... Looking even through WWE and through past times, it's hard to find somebody who I think is better than Britt Baker in, a, in female wrestling. So let's move on to the Chris Jericho and Eddie Kingston confrontation. And uh, Chris Jericho finally introduced his influencer name. He came out introduced as the influencer Chris Jericho. The announcers made sure to hype it up. We saw a couple weeks ago that it was um, patented or copyrighted on by Chris Jericho, so we knew he'd be coming with it. So we're seeing a new version of Chris Jericho developing. This promo was still sort of same old Jericho, in my opinion. Uh, there was security in the ring to start, and Kingston was really, really annoyed by that fact. He just wanted to fight Jericho. Um, he didn't get the point of the confrontation in the ring. He said, I'm not a sports entertainer. This is a wrestling company. If you want to do that, go up the road, which was interesting because they're in Connecticut. Uh, Jericho said, this is sports entertainment, uh, and but this will actually be uh, entertaining and he got he's got a story for eddie kingston he says when he signed eddie kingston jericho thought to himself who's that it's because kingston looked like a jobber and then kingston wrestled and talked and jericho realized that he was special he knew kingston would become a big time baby face kingston was funny he said what's a baby face which is cool yeah uh, um because some wrestlers get mad when they use the inside lingo in the ring and he was uh he was definitely paying homage to that uh, Jericho thinks Kingston is just jealous because by the time Jericho was 38, he had done everything there was to do in pro wrestling. Deep down inside, Kingston doesn't think he'll be able to get to Jericho's level. Uh, they went back and forth. Uh, when they came out, JR Bolt said they're going to be wrestling at Revolution. I mean, it was a foregone conclusion they would be wrestling, uh, but this wasn't announced until the segment, and I think JR messed that up. So, uh, <laughs> but anyway, they announced that they're going to be wrestling. Um, they mentioned Triple H in this program in this promo as well. They said Kingston said if he wants to wrestle, he wants the classic Jericho, the Jericho that that Levesque hated. 
uh, Jericho said he'd give King Kingston that Jericho and he could see it in Kingston's eyes. He thinks he's a loser. I don't know. I mean, this wasn't the best promo. And I think Jericho right now for me has been like the kiss of death as far as uh, segments and promos go. I don't know. Just Kingston usually is on fire on the mic. It just had an awkward feel to it. I think this match will deliver, but yeah, but I think Kingston has to win. I got to see this. I really liked the promotion because my big thing is I almost feel like Eddie Kingston is so unscripted in so many ways that like everything um, Jericho said about his like dad and his uncle and being failures and having fear and stuff. Like, I feel like that's the kind of stuff that like Eddie Kingston like truly felt and like wants to make a part of wrestling. And like, I feel like Eddie Kingston is that guy trying to touch people's hearts and like, you know, trying to tell us like he's going to fight Jericho because he's not scared. So we can fight things too. Like, I don't know. I really like it. I thought it was a decent promo. We talked about how MJF is an authentic character. Eddie Kingston is legitimately Eddie Kingston, the character. Like, I don't think there is a separation. He's that guy. Yeah. Um, I don't know him personally, but there's no – I mean, he's that guy. Like, he's the guy smoking Newports outside of a bodega somewhere somewhere right now. Um, 100%. So he's an awesome character. I love his story, and uh, he'll always have a fan of me. I think he's great. He, he needs to win this match because yeah. if Eddie loses this match, uh, after everything that's been said with Jericho and all that – it's not a good look for him. So uh, it was weird for a bit there. Eddie Kingston was one of the hottest guys in the company and uh, it sort of fizzled out a little bit. So I'm hoping they can get him back onto uh, that track where he's one of the hottest acts. Because if you remember uh, when shows first returned uh, back in the summer of 2021, or like it was spring turn 2021, pe- people wanted to see Eddie Kingston. That was the guy they wanted to see. Yeah, uh, it doesn't feel that way anymore. I mean, people are still into him. They were chanting Eddie, and they were all into him during this segment. But he definitely doesn't have as much momentum as he had going into this. So, and that might have something to do with the fact that we had that you know that death match where he looked like a fool in the ring and all that stuff because of yep. the bombs not going off. I don't know. Yeah, uh, but AEW had a megastar in their on their hands with him, and I think they sort of dropped the ball. And that's you know we don't say that a lot with AEW, but yeah, uh, I don't know. It just feels that way. Yeah. Um... I think it'll be a great match. I think this could be the match that puts Eddie like over the top in a way and puts Jericho down to where he needs to be. You know, I think this is a good like kind of step out for Jericho if that's what it's going to end up being. So, yeah. So let's move on to the next match. We had a face of the revolution qualifier match. So we need uh, a smaller guy to join the card here because we had all the big guys. We have Hobbs and Keith Lee in the match. So we had Ricky Starks defeating 10. Uh, so this match, um, uh, Pretty quick. Uh, yeah. Ten locked on a full Nelson, but Starks fought out by grabbing Ten's mask, and then he hit a spear. I think the match was like overall. I don't have the time in front of me, but five, six minutes, nothing yeah, crazy. Um, interesting dynamic is we have two Team Taz members in the match, so how they're going to interact should be interesting. Is Hobbs going to take it to Starks? Is Starks going to take it to Hobbs? We've seen yeah. them interact that way before because of just different feuds with Brian Cage and stuff, so they're willing to go at it with each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we'll see. I mean, it adds a certain dynamic to the match that is interesting. I thought, like, right now with Wardlow, Keith Lee, and Hobbs, there's a lot of big guys in this ladder match. So uh, I'm certainly interested in how it's booked because what are the spots going to look like in a ladder match with all those big guys? Exactly. It's going to be wild. Uh, so in the back, we had Adam Cole and Red Dragon celebrating their win, but the uh, Bucks showed up and called it a double cross. The Bucks stormed off and Cole implored Red Dragon to get it together. You could see Cole is trying to keep uh, both the Elite and the Undisputed Era or Red Dragon, whatever you want to call them, together. 
uh, because he's trying to be he's trying to keep his foot into both doors. And I don't know if that's going to be possible for him to do at all times. Uh, he right now he's being a politician. He wants to be AW world champion so bad. So he's trying to keep everybody happy. But I think eventually he's going to have to choose sides. And I think that will eventually happen when Kenny Omega gets back, because we have not seen Kenny Omega and Adam Cole interact aside from that one night after uh, Kenny Omega lost the championship. And then that was it. Mm-hmm. So I think we're going to have to see who is the leader of the elite. I think that will be the rift that causes Adam Cole to disappear from the elite and have to side with the undisputed era Paragon, Red Dragon, whatever the hell you want to call them. Yeah. They need a goddamn name in AEW. That's what they yeah, need. Red Dragon isn't going to work. Well, them as a tag team is Red Dragon, but I need the three. What is Adam Cole, Kyle O'Reilly, and Bobby Fish called? Someone tell me what they're supposed to be called. Yeah. I want to call them Undisputed Era. I know. For, for a bit, they were called Paragon, as Jimmy the Prince was calling them. But I, I don't know. Call them something, please. I don't want to call them by their names. Um, all right. Moving on, we have the TBS Championship with Jade Cargill defeating the Bunny. So let's go back to the comments for a sec. We had... Cole saying, just saw the Jade versus Bunny match, and I know you're the biggest Bunny fan on the earth, so I'm sorry, Cole, about the loss here. But Jade dominated the Bunny. Uh, Every week, Jade gets a little bit better. So what I'll say, she's an absolute superstar. You can't deny that she has a presence about her. I was Uh, impressed this week. You know I do not like her. I was super impressed this week. Yeah, she looks better and better every week, and I can you can tell that she's putting work into her game and figuring out a way to uh, become a better wrestler, and that's all you can ask for. She's putting the work in. Uh, so the match had Bunny trying to roll Jade up for two and landed two thrust kicks, but Jade countered down the rabbit hole into Jaded for the win. Uh, after the match, Jade asked who's left, and then Ty Conti came out saying she's just next. She's the one who will beat Jade. They squared off, but Bunny got involved. Ty Conti hit her with the t- uh, KO and was level with a pump kick from Jade. Uh, Anna Jay tried to come out and make the save, but she was too late. So it looks like we're having the TBS championship, Ty Conti versus Jade Cargill at Revolution. Um, yeah, probably be on I, pre- pre-show maybe. <laughs> so that, that's my guess too. Um, dude, I remember you saying a couple of weeks ago that Jade has been working with uh, Danielson and it's yeah. showing, dude. Yep. Like she's doing like a lot of holds and all dude. I was so impressed with her tonight. I was like, I think I like you, Jade Cargill, and I bash you on this podcast night after uh, night. <laughs> I've been a fan of her since she's come in. I think there's a place for I mean, she is a powerhouse wrestler that uh she has a role to play, and I think she's doing a great job of it. She has a presence, you can't teach that. She comes on the screen and she feels like a big deal. Um, so I think everyone that sees her recognizes she has a presence and she's a star. Yep. If, they, if they can fine tune the raw talent that she has and make her into a ser- even just a serviceable wrestler like they like she's been the last few weeks, I think they have you know a really good, really good project on their hands, and I think she's going to be a huge star. So, um, I love the way they're booking her. Yeah. Uh, I said I was texting someone. I said the way that they're booking Jade Cargill is how WWE should be booking Bianca Belair, and. Bianca is, and I had this argument last night on I was I'm going to be a guest on the Raw Down on the Turnbuckle Tavern next Tuesday to talk about Raw and SmackDown. Uh, but a lot of times I hop in the chat and I have a conversation with the guys and they were saying young Anthony was talking about how Bianca Belair, the story has been perfect to how Becky was squashed, uh, Becky squashed Bianca from 
SummerSlam on, and then she's been building herself back up. And I said, yeah, that'd be awesome if that was the plan. But that wasn't their plan. They had no plans in place. They just put Bianca down the card and didn't have a plan to put her and build her back up. Her winning the Elimination Chamber in in convincing fashion doesn't fix all the woes of how they booked her poorly. And I think the damage for Bianca's done, I think where she is now is not where she was last year. And that's sad because she won the main event at WrestleMania last year. Yeah. Anyway, don't want to get into that, but I think if they put as much effort into booking Bianca the way they booked Jade, and Bianca already has a skill set that is well beyond what Jade could do in the ring, you know, whatever. All right. So let's move on to yes, the- Cole. To the answer to your last question, what we have a comment here. He's he's gonna. I want him to do the unboxing like he does on his IG every day with the cards. Yes, man, that'd be awesome. Yes, you should do that. All right, so the Keith Lee interview. So it was cool to see Keith Lee back on the screen for the first time since his debut. Keith Lee was interviewed backstage about the other participants in the Face of the Revolution ladder match. He said the only name he recognized was Ricky Starks. Starks walked up and said his piece, and then Lee and Hobbs faced off. So uh, cool to see. I I can't wait to see Keith Lee in a ladder match. It's going to be awesome. Uh, Definitely a lot of different – definitely definitely a lot of different personalities already in that match. And we we still have some guys that are not even announced for the match yet. So I think there's two spots left. All right. We have the main event on our hands right here. Brian Danielson defeating Daniel Garcia. We all knew that Brian Danielson was going to win this match. No doubt in my mind that he was winning this match. Uh, But I was looking forward to the journey, the path, how we got to the ending of this match. And when it was announced about an hour before the show, I was super pumped. I'm like, this is going to be one of the matches of the year. Brian Danielson's in it. Daniel Garcia is going to get the rub of his life. He's going to become the next megastar. Well, I was disappointed, Nick. I wasn't happy with this match. I felt like it was rushed. I I wouldn't say it was a bad match. It was just disappointing. Maybe my expectations were just too high. Maybe. Um, I didn't. I mean, it was the same thing. I think it was because for him, I wouldn't have made this the main event. I do like that Brian Brian Danielson pushed for Daniel Garcia the whole time, and I think that'll help push Brian uh, Daniel Garcia into better um, matches. But I don't know. I guess I just never. I, I, in my heart, I was like, I know he's not going to win. So, like, it didn't – I wasn't – I guess I wasn't ready for the story like you were, and you were disappointed in it. So that helped me a little bit, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, I knew – everyone knew Brian Danis was going to win, and that was okay. It's just – I don't know. I I think I wanted more time out of this match. Um, Maybe the crowd not being into it definitely took me out of it a bit. And maybe just like you, everyone knew that Daniel Garcia wasn't winning this match, so they weren't into it. It took it away. I, I don't know. Maybe my expectations were just super high because I love what both these guys can do. And I think if you give them 15, 20, 25 minutes in the ring, they could steal the show. I don't think that was the job for they were supposed to they were supposed to be doing tonight. And I think there was so much that needed to go on in this match, especially with the Moxley thing at the end. It just seemed like it was really rushed. Yeah. Um, but I will get to some of the spots because I did like some of the match. Um, so Danielson allowed Garcia to out-wrestle him early on, and then Garcia was holding his own. Garcia was chopping Danielson. You saw Danielson's chest was super red and bloody. Yeah. Uh, once again, they jockeyed for position on the apron. Danielson suplexed Garcia to the floor before landing a diving knee. Uh, back in the ring, Danielson continued to dominate with suplexes and stomps. He hit a tiger suplex bridge before transitioning to cattle mutilation. Uh, if you notice, this was the first time that anyone reversed cattle mutilation. Uh, in 
AEW. So Cattle Mutilation is not quite Brian Anderson's finisher. He's finished matches with it. Uh, but this is the first time anyone broke out of it, and I guess it was a big deal for Garcia to do so. The announcers didn't talk about it, but I I definitely noticed it because I watch all Brian Danison's matches pretty closely. Mm-hmm. Uh, Garcia powered out and applied an ankle lock. He tried to keep up the attack, but Danison countered a dragon screw into kicking Daniel, uh, Garcia's head uh, before locking in the triangle for the win. Uh, I thought, I mean, whatever. I know Brian Danison is the guy and the main event guy, but the way he locked it in uh, with with the flexing and stuff, I don't know. It sort of took away a little bit from Garcia looking like a legitimate threat. I mean, I know he probably knocked him out with the kicks. So whatever. I mean, I would love to see them meet up sometime down the line where you can give them time because I don't think this had enough time. And like you said, yeah. you put it in the middle of the card, you probably could have dedicated a little more time to it. But I think when they saw it was 9.50 when they were getting started, they're like, damn, we have so much to do. And Moxley has to come out and challenge me or accept my challenge after. Right. So, yeah, again – not a bad match by any means. I know if anyone's right. watching this, they're like, oh, I can't believe you hated the match. I thought it was a good match. But I'm yeah. saying I was expecting 10 out of 10 Suzuki versus Danielson type of match, and it wasn't there. And I'm not sure if it was time time constraints or it was just like maybe Garcia uh, wasn't booked to look as strong as some of the other characters are. So we'll see. Uh, after the match, we had Danielson and Moxley. Uh, we had Wild Thing hit. Moxley comes out. Uh he both this uh, 2.0 came out and attacked Danielson. Moxley made the save on Dan uh, for Danielson against 2.0. Uh, Garcia was about to smack Moxley with a chair, but Danielson stopped him and Garcia ate a paradigm shift for his trouble. Danielson grabbed the mic and accepted Moxley's challenge for revolution. And he said, and don't be surprised if you're the only one bleeding. So that was it. The show went off the air. Uh, like I said, this is the second week in a row that they were trying to rush through the ending here. Yeah, uh, a lot of storylines, a lot of things, a lot of angles being pushed here, trying to get revolution off the ground. Uh, the card looks fantastic, so don't get yeah. me wrong, but there certainly was uh, an air of like we have to get all this stuff in uh, and not letting stuff breathe. The main event definitely could have benefited from having ten extra minutes. Absolutely. So we, no, have I that. agree. Um, I almost feel like it gave a poor display of Danielson, and I don't like seeing that. What do you mean poor? And, and what, like, because he looked weak against Garcia? No, not even that he looked weak. The fact that the flexing and the the short time and the you know kind of taking a beating from I don't know. Like I just didn't. I guess I just didn't see. Maybe it's because I didn't see Garcia being so strong. So I don't know. Well, the story they're trying to tell down the line, I think they eventually will get there. So I, if I had to predict the way this goes, Danielson and Moxley will wrestle at at Revolution. Uh, yeah. Obviously, we saw the match is going to happen. And we will have some level of finish where they both gain respect for each other. I'm not sure exactly who's going to be coming out victorious here, but I think Daniel Garcia will eventually be underneath Danielson as a like a mentor. He's going to leave 2.0, and we're going to have them as a as a faction. I think we're going to have guys like Lee Moriarty, and I think it's going to be cool. I think we're going to have. Yeah, it sounds Daniel awesome. Garcia being mentored by a guy like Brian Danielson. So I think that's where we're going to go. I think we're going to get this match, and then we're going to have a tag team with Moxley and Brian Danielson. That'd be the way I booked it. That's awesome. So I for like Friday, it. we have the weekly. Is Nick going to be watching AEW Rampage? And we have four matches announced for Rampage. So we have the TNT Championship. Sammy Guevara versus Andrade El Idolo. We have Serena Deeb's five-minute challenge. 
We also have the second to last face of the revolution qualifier match between Orange Cassidy and Anthony Bowens. And then we also have the Britt Baker versus the Thunder Rosa contract signing. So I ask you, Nick, you watching the rampage? All right. I'm very much looking forward to Sammy and Andre, Andrade, excuse me. Um, I think there will be beef at the Thunder Rosa and Britt Baker thing, which I think will be good. I do not give a crap about the Deeb thing. Um, I feel like that's a time killer, like we said on the last show I did with you. Um, but yeah, I'm, ex- I'm, I'm honestly excited. I think it'll be a good show. I agree with you. I have to watch SmackDown this week because, like I mentioned, I'll be on the Raw Down, so I'm going to be lot- watching a lot of wrestling on Friday. So I might as well continue the streak. I'll watch the extra hour for Rampage. There you go. Yeah, perfect. So we also have the Dynamite. Two matches announced for the, believe it or not, March 3rd Dynamite, which will be, uh, I'm not sure exactly where they're going to be. I'll find out in a second. Uh, but Dynamite, well, this will be the last one before Revolution. So I certainly expect a lot of things to be happening here to get ready for the show. They, they laid the groundwork for Revolution, but this is going to be the final exclamation point to say, spend your hard-earned money on, on Revolution. And I expect them to go all out for this Dynamite here on March 3rd. So we have the Tag Team Casino Battle Royal for the Spot Revolution Tag Title Match again. So we'll see who wins. Maybe it's Santana Ortiz or maybe it's the Bucks. I think it's going to be the Bucks, especially the Me way too. they angled it. And then we also have a six-man match with Hangman Page, John Silver, and Alex Reynolds versus Adam Cole and Red Dragon. So that match should be pretty awesome. Yeah. So that's the that is the dynamite for next week. And I'll make sure I uh, uh, definitely put it on my sto- my story, my Instagram about all the different. Uh, matches that get announced. I'll, I'll post the card as it com- becomes closer. So, final thoughts on this show, Nick. Before we move on to the news, I want to talk to you about some stuff because you weren't in here, so we have some stuff to talk about. Final thoughts of the show. Give me your high point. My high point was... My high point will be Jade Cargill and the Bunny. I liked that match a lot, to be honest. I even thought the Bunny looked strong in this match. All right, and give me... I'll... I'll give you my high point, then we'll go low point together. Okay. My high point, believe it or not, it's going to be Death Triangle versus Kings of the Black Throne. What they're, they're doing fine. is so epic. Uh, it's so good. They don't need championships at all. It's just good wrestling storytelling. There's a mix of like black magic and old school Mexican luchador wrestling and high flyers and Undertaker type of mythical vibes. Like anything you can ask for. They're delivering, and I think like it's really shown that Tony Khan and AW are giving free reign to the characters to just do different things, and I think it's a lot of fun. So, uh, definitely was my high point of the show, and I just can't wait to see where the story goes. Yeah, no. we have the low point of the show. What do you think? I was initially going to go with Brian Danielson's matchup, but I'm going to go. I'm not going to low blow it like that because we kind of just talked it down. I'm going to go with Bobby Fish. I do not love his elimination against, I think it was against Dax. No, it was against, um, where he just came up on the side of the road and, you know, just kicked him out of the ring. And they just counted that as an elimination in that Royale. I thought that uh, was yeah, 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 yeah. He wasn't in the ring. He was technically eliminated already. Yeah, he was already out and they gave him the elimination. I was like, oh, it made sense to leave the remaining four guys. But I was like, that's a real low blow. But. But that, I mean, that's battle royal logic a little bit. I mean, yeah. in Royal Rumble, people have eliminated guys in the past, right? I mean, right. there's there's the precedent being sent. No, yeah. That, I'm just saying, I think it was such a good show that that was my low point. 
Very interesting. I would go my low point. It's tough to say. Uh, I would go Chris Jericho in the Eddie Kingston segment. I know it's going to get some high praise for the promo, but anything Chris Jericho touches right now is just a miss for me. I, I feel like I'm repeating myself week after week. I just have a bad feeling about this match. I think like Chris Jericho is going to walk away with the win. and It's just going to bury Eddie Kingston. You know, I'm willing to be wrong here. I'm willing to be pleasantly surprised, but I certainly feel I like we're due for a letdown and Jericho's in for another main event style run with a new character. He's going to get a win here. Uh, we have some other high points from Cole in the chat. So his high point was MJF promo. Good point. Yeah, it's an awesome one. I might want to change my answer to that. MJF promo was really, really good. Uh, such a dynamic character, such a different approach to what the promo and what, what it could have been instead of just being a dirty, down, no good heel. He's trying to gain sympathy, and sometimes is he being authentic? Is he not? Now we're left questioning that. He also said that House of Black is probably part two, and his low points Jericho as well. So, yeah, I mean, we're on, we're on the same point here. Yeah. Sounds All right, so before we move on, there's a, three things I want to talk about. Number one, I haven't touched base with you about Cody Rhodes yet. Where are you at with this whole stuff with Cody Rhodes and him being – leaving is he going to WWE? do you feel like it's a work is it real and if it is real why that's the thing i do think it's real i i don't know if maybe i don't know i was gonna say maybe they're offering more time off to do his tv shows but he's getting that time off with aew um i i don't know i don't get it i don't if like you know, before you make like big life decisions in life as an adult, we make a pros and cons list. And it's like, how bad were your cons about AEW that you're going to go back to WWE, dude? Like, I guess I just wasn't prepared for any of that news. And when I saw it, I was like, there's no way. Like, this has got to be a fake account. And then I looked into it and I was like, I think this is real. You know, I, I, I don't know. Yeah, I mean... I've talked it to death so far, so I believe it's not a work. I believe this is real, and I think at this point he will be showing up in WWE in some capacity, and maybe we'll see him wrestling at WrestleMania. Maybe it's the night after WrestleMania. I just don't understand, barring some level of ridiculous promise of, like, you're going to be the guy who beat Roman Reigns after WrestleMania uh, to right the wrongs of how WWE originally booked Dusty Rhodes, which is Cody's father, obviously. I don't know. I'm certainly disappointed. I mean, look at the show tonight, though. AEW doesn't miss him. It just opens up another spot in the card for somebody else. Right, and that's what I think. I think it opens a spot in the card that doesn't need to have a spot filled right now. But, um, yeah, the whole thing. I, I, if Cody Rhodes goes back to WWE, I'm going to miss Cody on AEW and probably, like, hate him on WWE, I feel like. I don't know. Yeah. So... Those are my thoughts on the Cody stuff. I won't get into it. I've talked about it in other things. If you want to hear my full thoughts on it, go watch the Turnbuckle Debate episode 67, I believe it is, on the Turnbuckle Tavern's YouTube page where I talk about the Cody stuff in depth. I don't want to waste the time talking about it here. We have two other decent announcements that should be talked about and just initial thoughts off the top of your head. So Shane Swerve Strickland reportedly signed with AEW as of today, so former NXT North American champion from NXT. Uh, he's been a free agent. His 90-day non-compete, it will be happening uh, to evaporate in time, in time for him to sign with AEW. He didn't show up tonight, but 
Any thoughts on that initially? Do you like him? Do you, are you excited for it? Yeah, I was always a fan of him in NXT. And, I, you know, the I it's funny because I'm thinking to myself, like, I'd rather see a lot of these NXT guys come over to AEW than the WWE guys right now. I don't know. So uh, I'm excited. You know, he's a fast, mobile guy. High fly. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Um, it's just going to be hard. Like, where do you put him? So, but like the thing with AEW, like we always say is you don't need to be put in to win a championship in AEW. You can go out there and win five matches in a row and it's awesome. And people love it. You know, it, it, you, you're getting cheered on like you're a champion. Yeah. There's been a lot of criticism, especially online. I was only on briefly, but for the buddy Matthew signing that people are saying, where are you going to be putting the rest of these guys on the card when you only have three hours of TV time. You're going to just toss them on YouTube and on AW darker elevation. Um, you know what, if they're, if they're used correctly, like buddy Matthews directly gets put into house of black and he has a reason to be on the show every week. Yeah. Even if he's not wrestling, he's involved in some capacity. So Brody could be wrestling. Um, Malachi could be wrestling. He can be cutting promos. You have a reason to be on the show. What I don't like is a guy that's signed just to be signed. And we've seen that in the past with WWE. AEW has been guilty of it as well. You have to have a reason and a purpose. And I know that you have to have a system in place where a guy wrestles one week and maybe he's going to be on the show in two weeks and wrestle, but you have to find a way to keep the characters on TV on a weekly basis. I think too often the roster is so stacked that we're having moments where a guy's on the show for one week and he disappears for four weeks and then people sort of forget about him. And it's not yeah. like we forget about him, but you have to find a way to keep him on there. And like, I always look at it this way. Stone Cold Steve Austin got the most over he ever was when he was injured with his neck injury because he was on TV every week cutting promos and becoming a character on TV. And he didn't get in the ring once until he started stunning people. But even then he wasn't taking bumps. So there is a way to make characters get over consistently on a weekly basis. If you just uh, focus on them and showcase them in a positive way. And I think AEW has to do a better job of getting their main star talent on TV on a weekly basis, because right now they're in a rotation style. Yeah. And a lot of times it doesn't work because you, Eventually, like you look at a guy like Lance Archer, you toss him back in the main event and it, it means really nothing. Like Lance Archer is a monster. He's a very talented guy. But for the for most fans, like, OK, he hasn't been here in a while. He's getting a title shot. We know he's losing. So, like, what's the point? Right. No, exactly. You don't want to have an overbloated staff and have to wait for the air to come out to refill, you know, and you don't want I just don't want to see that. So. It's the yeah. same thing like with the Dark Order. Like the Dark Order was all over TV tonight. And I was like, this is awesome. I was saying this a few weeks ago on here. Like, where is the Dark Order? And tonight you saw five members of the Dark Order wrestling. I was like, that was awesome. And the crowd loves it. Like, we yeah. love it. Like, I'm watching from home and I'm doing it, dude. <laughs> it's I don't, like I don't know the answers, dude. Like, I, I don't know if the answer is another hour of TV on Revolution. I don't know if there's another way to fix it. Yeah. Uh, I certainly know that YouTube and on. YouTube and dark is not the answer for, for put the main stars on. That's not how you build main stars. Uh, but maybe the answer for rampage is you put the first hour on YouTube. Like they did that one week with uh, Brian Danielson and Suzuki and make it for free. And then you transition over. It's just, just like the hardcore fans would watch it if it's meaningful matches. Yeah. Um, or if they figure out a way to re rebrand AEW dark and make it like a legitimate third show that it's not just squash matches, but no, exactly. uh, the roster is so, so goddamn stacked right now. It's, it's hard to, and it's good problems that problems to have because you have a lot of talent to be, to, to be focusing on and it's better than not having enough talent. So, yeah. I'm All right. So the I last would, I, thing I want to move on to, what yeah. you have something? 
No, I was just looking up to see if like AEW Dark gets the views, and they do. And I was like, oh, I'm gonna shut up. <laughs> no, I mean they get a lot of views, but if I watch it on a weekly basis, and it's it's really one of those things where they it's not meaningful matches. Remember when we watched 1991 WWF Primetime, where it was all just squash matches? It's it's that. Yeah. So really, what's the point of watching? I'd be like, yeah, cool. Max Caster's going to be on it, but that's the time Max Caster's getting in the win. So, um, I don't know. I think if they put competitive matches on there, I think it would be much more meaningful. And you just have yeah. to rebrand it. Just the name Dark feels meaningless. Yeah. Like a dark match. It just feels very house show, very uneventful. Yeah. Maybe have a title change hands on dark and see what people do. Right. Like, something like that to make people want to tune in. Yeah. Uh, all right. Last thing to talk about before we move on. So AW's Tony Khan, big and important announcement is like the first dance. So he's been hyping up this big announcement for a bit. Uh, he says he's not backing down that the importance of the tease big news. And here's the quote that he had on, I forget what podcast he was on. But he said, I promise you something big is coming. It's not like the first dance where I can put a date, time, and place on it and say I know exactly when. But it is like the first dance that I know something big and important is coming to AEW, and I'm very excited about it. So on last Friday's Busted Open Radio, Khan said he's working on something massive, and he hoped to have something done by this week's end. Um, there's a clip attached here on Wrestling Observer. But he said, like on Busted Open Radio, he again said the announcement will be very different than anything we've done before, but it's going to be awesome. Any predictions on what it could be, Nick the Convictor? My only prediction is that it is not a wrestler. I don't know what else it could be, but if it's like something they've never done before, like you're not bringing in Bray Wyatt, you're not bringing in Jeff Hardy, um, or like it's not a new wrestler, I should say. Maybe something with somebody changes like you mentioned broken matt hardy a few weeks ago like i don't know if we're there yet but something maybe along those lines i don't know like i don't i you know i don't think you're gonna bring on another belt that's not what i think it is either truthfully but maybe I'm, i i honestly don't know dude i have two predictions and one I'll start with the one i really think it is i think it might be a streaming service okay aw will be available maybe hbo max or i don't know something like that and i don't have any sort of inside info i haven't read anything about that but they do there's an open market that that needs to be done yeah i want to go back and watch old dynamites and you can't yes it's not anywhere absolutely you're right i agree and then the other thing it potentially could be is a cross promotional pay-per-view with impact in new japan that maybe they're going to be like mm -hmm. we're coming to msg or chicago or la and it's going to be new japan it's going to be Impact Wrestling and AEW all working together for the first time. Similar to what um, I'm looking at over here, G1 Supercard was Ring of Honor and New Japan Wrestling working together to sell out MSG. Maybe it's something like that, and that would be really cool to see, and that, that would break the doors down. Forbidden door, be damned. Tony Khan's breaking it down. So yeah, um, I would personally really enjoy the, uh, the streaming service for selfish reasons, but I think the, the show – with all three promotions could have massive tentacles and sort of leak into maybe WWE wanting to work with people. I know there was conversation a little while ago um, about WWE potentially having a working deal in New Japan in talks with Brian Danielson when they wanted to resign him. They said, we'll come up with a way to get you to be able to do the matches in Japan you want to do. So Nick Khan of WWE was talking to 
officials in New, New Japan and trying to isolate a deal. It, uh, it fell through because I'm sure WWE was very selfish about it and they didn't want to work hand in hand. Uh, but as you see, AEW and Impact and New Japan, they're all working together seamlessly where you have, uh, I'm not sure if you saw the um, uh, the angle that was shot on Impact at No Surrender, uh, the Bullet Club and Jay White broke up with uh, you know some Bullet Club members and it just... It, they're shooting legitimate angles on these shows and it's not like they're just making appearances and they're working together in a cohesive way. And you got Kenny Omega going to triple a last year and he's going to, he might go back to new Japan. Who knows? Like he's working all these, he worked impact for a bit. It's really cool to have these, the seamless flow and that, you know, boundary or borderless wrestling, because I think that's what makes it exciting where any guy can show up on any given night. So if WWE gets on board with something like that, and I think they never will unless there's a new ownership team in place, that would be super exciting. Because imagine just how that that's what we create a boom period in wrestling. And I talked about this on the debate show about if the Cody Rhodes stuff is a work, if it's a work, then, then we're all going to suspend belief that the Montreal screw job was a work. Because if you believe the Montreal screw job was a work, then I mean, no matter what, worker or shoot for the Montreal screw job, that created inevitably the attitude era it created the vince mcmahon character it created the most popular era in wrestling history the cody thing could blow wrestling out of the water if indeed so say in a dream world where cody rhodes wins the world championship in wwe and shows up on AEW television with it and it's a work everyone's involved vince knows about it tony knows about it but we as fans we don't know what's real what's not it blurs the line it could make this into a a new boom period of wrestling and make people tune in every single night and make people and do the record numbers that used to do. I don't know. I'm spinning now because no, but I get it. It'd be amazing. Yeah, no, I get it. I I hear what you're saying. I agree. I like what Cole said. I agree on the streaming. If it has pay-per-view also. Um, Yeah. I mean, why not? I mean, similar to WWE where like you can watch pay-per-view on Peacock, but you can also still order it on like traditional pay-per-view. I think, AEW right now, they're not in a place where they can move away from charging $50 pay-per-view. They're still going to charge $50 pay-per-view. Yeah. Uh, I think right now it's BR Live, right? That's where you can order the pay-per-views for. Yep. So that's where we're ordering them. But it would be cool. I just want on-demand shows because I want to be able to watch. I've been dying to watch the Brody Memorial show. I've been dying to watch an old Dynamite. You can go on the TNT app and watch some of the old ones, but it's not like – it's not organized. It's like hit or miss. There's not every show. It's just – yeah. So – yeah, we have some Cole comments agree on the streaming if it has pay per view too, like you mentioned. And Cole made a good point. What's Hikaru Shida doing? You're right. She showed up a little bit of, a little while ago, but she hasn't done anything. It's just one yeah. of those other. It's one of those other roster spots that sort of. She's a huge star in the women's division, at least, and she's just absent most of the time. So. Yeah. All right, Nick. Uh, it was great having you back, dude. Yeah, it was wonderful to be back. I have to say. So we missed you on the on the elimination chamber. I got to listen to that today. I appreciate you listening. Um, anything going new on the channel that you want to hype up here? No, I've been working so, so, so much, to be honest, that, like, everything is all thrown off. Um, posting, like, videos on the wrong day, like, but I'm just trying to get the content out there, and I feel so bad. I haven't been able to check out content. Um, like, I started listening to your stuff in the car, at least, just to, you know, because I missed Elimination Chamber. Like, I can go back and watch it now, at least with the idea of what's going on after listening to you. Um, but no, not really, man. What about you? I saw you got another bell to bell session uh, lined up. 
Yes, I'll be having a bell-to-bell session on March 15th, so in a couple of weeks, with King Rob Love of RCW, of uh, Bayou Championship Wrestling, of Bayou Independent Wrestling, Heavy Metal Wrestling, Elite Championship Wrestling. And believe it or not, I know Rob Love. I don't know him personally, but we go back many, many years, and I, I don't want to give you guys a spoiler about how we know each other. Uh, I don't, I've never met him in person, but back in the day, I'm not sure if you were familiar with anything called an EFED, where people would cut promos, and it's a whole thing. And him and I will go into it because we are we used to do it together, and we used to have a forum called Wrestle Talk oh, that wow. him and I used to run. Uh, we used to be on a, a forum called powerslam.net. Uh, that's where we met. He used to be like HBK12 whatever. I don't even know his actual name. Um, and then we were just friends on Instagram, Facebook, and he started his training becoming a wrestler, and he's been at it since like 2016. So That's really awesome. Uh, yeah, he's been killing it. So I'm uh, going to get into it with him, talk about the stuff he's been doing. He he wrestled on NXT a few years ago, so uh, a lot of good things going on in Rob Love. He's uh, from the Texas area. So uh, some other things going on. I did announce, and I will put some more information about it. I'm trying to figure out how to like separate it and make sure it's not intruding on the wrestling content. Uh, but I did make a page for the Acefield Retro uh, Baseball Podcast, so I, I made the Instagram for it. Uh, we will be doing shows as the baseball season kicks off. Uh, so there will be some baseball content for those that have been looking for it. I know when we originally announced this uh, YouTube channel that I said there'd be some baseball Right now, obviously, baseball's in a lockout where there's not much to really talk about. We can talk and and hypothesize what's going to go on in the season. But until it's unlocked, I don't think we should really have a conversation until uh, we are ready to do so. So, Look at the call, Rob. So Cole knows what Nefet is. So he was badass Billy Gunn. I was actually Steve Helms. So it was a completely different character. I will go into the Efed another day because it's a, a whole box of worms that um, I think we need to dedicate the appropriate time to to give it the love. But EFED was a lot of goddamn fun. It's called an E-Federation. So you would like pretty much just cut promos and there'd be certain writers, depending on how well you promoted, would write and you would win titles and you'd read you'd read the shows once a week on a forum. So this is well before Facebook and Instagram and social media and all that stuff. Uh, this was the way I used to get my wrestling news in like 2002, 2003. So that's really cool. Um but yeah, that's what's coming up on my end, the Bell to Bell sessions. I will be on the Raw Down on the Turnbuckle Tavern on Tuesday. I will, I will be filling in for Boney Khan because he will be on his honeymoon. Congratulations to Boney. Uh, we will be discussing Raw and SmackDown, so I will have the unfortunate task of actually watching Raw and SmackDown uh, in an active way. But I will do my diligence, and I will watch those shows, and I'll give you guys the best effort I have. So make sure you guys check me out on there. I appreciate you guys watching the Turnbuckle Debate episode with me. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, not hyping, not you know, hyping myself up, but it is the most viewed uh, debate show that they've ever had, and right. it's only it's only been posted for two days now. So we had some topics that were heated, so I think people were clicking on the Cody stuff. But you know, by you guys clicking on and, and listening to me and making sure you're consuming the stuff I'm on, it makes people want to have me back on. So I do appreciate that. Uh, I also have some other Bell sessions that are in the works, so I have a couple that are non-confirmed. Um, I will post the graphic throughout the week. So, I mean, I could just tell you guys, but, um, I will wait just to confirm it, just to make sure, cause I don't want to hype up something that's not happening. So, uh, just keep that in mind. So I will be doing those interview sessions. I love that. I'm getting some feedback from others that are really happy with the things we're doing. So again, 
I appreciate you guys watching and listening and uh, interacting with the podcast and Instagram. It's been a really fun ride so far. Yeah, man, this is a lot of fun to be on. So I pr- I apologize. I'm gonna pro- if you guys are watching this, I'm hoping I can edit this on YouTube where I can cut out the first couple minutes because you and I just jump right in and we start over with the show. So is that possible, Nick? I can cut that stuff out in the beginning. If you go to YouTube Studio after you're done, you might have to post it first. And then if you go to YouTube Studio, you might be able to cut like that first 10, 15 minutes out. And if not, you know what? That's TV, baby. Put yeah, exactly. Put it in the <laughs> description. Fast forward to this point. Yeah. But Nick, dude, I appreciate you popping on here. It's been a blast. Uh, maybe we can hop on on Sunday, do a watch along. and other people are missing that. Yeah, I want to do one so bad. This Sunday might not be the day, but next Sunday for sure. After, oh, dude, the next Sunday can be our review for Revolution. Oh, yeah, that's true. We're going to have a Revolution Jeez. review, WrestleMania review coming up, uh, some other good stuff coming up on the channel. Make sure you guys check out the live upcoming shows on the channel. I've been posting them on StreamYard prior so you guys know what's coming up, and we will hype them on Instagram and stuff. But you guys are the best. I appreciate you watching. I've been Acefield Retro. That's Nick the Comic Nerd, and we're out. Thank you.